Okay, so um, a good word this morning I, I feel like God has given me uh, about uh, mountains in our life. And uh, I know that some of you just, I mean, from what we've already uh, talked about this morning, some of you are facing some mountains, but um, I want to just share uh, with you, some, some of you will remember this story about a former NFL player. Uh, and it, it, this guy's name is uh, Robert Conrad. He was 38 years old, and uh, he played for the Miami Dolphins from, uh, where's Tim at? Where, is he here? You, you remember this guy, Robert Conrad? I'm a big Dolphin fan, 90, you, you were a Cowboy fan, I think, in 1999. <laughs> no, uh, anyway, played, played for the Dolphins in 1999 and 2004, and uh, he was uh, living in Florida, and this is the way the headlines read in the morning paper. The ex-Miami Dolphin player falls overboard from a boat that he was uh, he was uh, on. He was actually uh, nine miles off of the offshore, and uh, by himself had the boat set on autopilot, and uh, landed or hooked a snagged a huge fish. And at the time that he's trying to reel this fish in, a wave hit the boat, knocked him out of the boat uh, with his boat on autopilot. You want to talk about something scary? Uh, no life jacket. Uh, he's there you know, uh, out nine miles off of shore. He goes on to say his 38-foot 30, boat was uh, set on autopilot, and he said that he's operated boats his whole life, even from a kid. He's taken boater sa uh, safety courses, and you think that nothing happens to you. I feel the same way about ATVs. He says that he described the frustration of seeing a Coast Guard helicopter right overhead that didn't spot him and another boat that was within about 100 yards that didn't see him. Um, he was uh, dealing with 10-foot waves, 25-mile-an-hour winds. Uh, he was being bitten by jellyfish and seeing sharks that circled him. He kept swimming and kept praying to God. And he said that he just would not give up. He would not give up. He was in the water. I think it said that he was in the water for like uh, uh, 11 or 12 hours. He gets to shore. Um, and when he, I mean, imagine that swimming, you know, uh, in the total dark in this, you know, cold water, sharks and jellyfish biting him, not quitting, not going to quit. Uh, he gets to shore at 5 o'clock in the morning. And because he's dealing with hyperthermia, you know, he's thinking that this is, the, this is great, I'm at shore, but he gets to the shore and he can't even walk, he can't even stand up. He starts crawling to the nearest house that, you know, that he could see a porch light on, and they notify the authorities, um, ambulance picks him up, he spent three days in the helicopter, but he gives glory to God, testifying that God saved him. Talk about a mountain in somebody's life. I mean, this is a real mountain in somebody's life. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 11 this morning. And uh, Jesus, in two different places, um, he speaks about a mountain. He's, uh, the, the Mark chapter 11 is the same as uh, Matthew chapter 21, but there was something in there that I wanted to point out to you. But let's just begin in uh, Matthew chapter 17. It says, when the crowd came to him, a man came and knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son because he has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. He says, I brought him to your disciples, 
but they were not able to heal him. And Jesus answered, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you? How much longer must I endure you? Bring him to me. And they, uh, Jesus rebuked the demon, it came out of him, and the boy was helped and healed from that moment. And Jesus came, to, uh, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And he told them, it was because of your little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. I know that some of you are facing mountains today, and you need mountains to move today. We're going to talk about in just a moment what those mountains look like. From Mark chapter 11, very similar story. It says, in the morning, as they passed by, uh, the fig tree that Jesus had cursed the night before. And Peter remembered, saying, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you that whosoever says to this mountain, Be moved and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. You believe that? Okay, one of you do. All right, therefore I say to you that whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, notice these two go together. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. The Bible, the Bible talks a lot about uh, mountains. They have a significant place in the Bible. I want to just point out a couple Mount Ararat, this is where uh, after the global flood that the Ark of Noah rested here. Um, number two, Mount uh, Moriah, this is the place where Abraham offered Isaac and eventually Solomon built the temple on Mount Moriah in 2 Chronicles 3 uh, verse 1. Mount Sinai, Numbers chapter 3 verse 10, this is where God gave the commandments to Moses and then later on we see this is the place when uh, Elijah is fleeing from Jezebel. He goes to what's called the mountain of God. This is called the mountain of God. And uh, number four, Mount Carmel. This is where um, Elijah had the uh, showdown with the prophets of Baal. Uh, number five is the Mount of Beatitudes. Uh, this is the place in the vicinity of Capernaum um, where great, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave uh, was delivered. Uh, Mount Golgotha, or Mount Calvary, this is Golgotha, the place of the skull. Um, this is where our Lord and Savior was nailed to the cross in the Mount of Olives. This is where uh, Jesus spent a lot of his earthly ministry. There were a lot of things that were done there, but the most notable was this is where Jesus was when he was ascended into heaven. Mountains are hard to climb. I mean, we have any mountain climbers in here? Anybody ever climbed a mountain? What, what have you climbed, Greg? What is it? Mount Whitney. How many? You know how many? How many feet is it? Wow. Anybody else? Any other mountain climbers in here? Why did you climb that mountain? Why? Hey, you know why do we climb mountains? Because they're there. Exactly. I mean, it's why we climb it. It's like, you know, it's a challenge. I want to do it. I want to get up there. 
You know, it's tough. I know it's going to be hard. It wasn't going to be easy. I mean, if, you know, climbing mountains are, are hard. And so we climb mountains, you know. Uh, one, we want to prove to ourselves that we can. But, uh, you know, the, the tallest mountain is Mount Everest. Um, it's um, almost five and a half miles. It's 29,028 feet. And uh, since 1953, Edmund Hillary um, was Sir Edmund Hillary climbed in 1953. There have been several attempts, uh, you know, prior to that. But there have been 4,000 people that have tried to climb Mount Everest since then. And you know what? Out of the 4,000 that have tried, only 660 have been successful in climbing. Um, and 142 of those people have died trying to climb that mountain. Um, it, it, it's an incredible, it's, you know, it's, it's imagine, imagine 20 Empire State Buildings uh, stacked on top of one another. That's how, how tall it is. I mean, an incredible, incredible mountain. His son also in uh, 19, um, 1990, his son Peter reached the summit. And then 1996, there were 11 people that died in a spring expedition. But mountains have long represented problems. And uh, they have challenge written all over them. Um, you know, the reason that we climb it is because it's there. I mean, there's been great things that have said about mountains, you know. I mean, love songs have been written about mountains. Remember, you know, Marvin Gaye wrote the song, you know, ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from getting to you. You guys remember that song? Ain't no mountain high enough. All right. So, I mean, mountains, they represent obstacles to be overcome. They're crosses to be carried. Mountains represent burdens to be borne, troubles to be triumphed over, difficulties to be dealt with. Mountains are problems. Uh, death is a mountain. Sickness is a mountain. Troubles are a mountain. Hardships are a mountain. Family crises are a mountain. Unpaid bills are mountains. Uh, rebellious children are mountains. Unfaithful husbands and wives are mountains. Lying friends are mountains. And drug-addicted loved ones are a mountain. And these are mountains that we got to face. And you can just turn your back on it. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to do what the Word of God says. God says that I can say to this mountain, this mountain that's in my life, or that's in my family's life, you know, God says that I can say to this mountain, be gone. Be gone in Jesus' name. It's not by me stirring myself up. It's not me by positive thinking. You know, it's getting God into the equation. And that's what... Uh, in Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Travel, he says life is filled with problems. But the truth of the matter is life is filled with mountains. But Jesus goes on to say, as we read earlier, that if you have the faith of a grain, a little grain of mustard seed, that you can say to this mountain, just a little bit of faith is all he's saying. Remember from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so, you know, as we think about that, you know, it's like it may seem like an impossible situation to you, and it may seem like it, it, it's never, ever, ever going to change. But I tell you what happens when we bring God into the situation, when you bring God into the equation, you know, the problem is not as great as it was before. It's just not. It's just like with God, all things are possible. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to fix it. But the Bible tells us that, you know, that with faith, with faith added to our problem, you know, it, it creates all kinds of new hope for us. Faith enlarges the possibilities of life. It enlarges the option because 
Faith brings God directly into the situation. And we want God's grace. We want to see God move. We want to see the, you know, the skilled hands of surgeons and doctors. But we always want to see you know, the power of God. We want to see the power of God moving through the anointing oil. We want to see the power of God move through the laying on of hands. We want to see the power of God, that supernatural power of God. See, we've become so used to just living in this world that we live in, and especially in this culture, it's easy for us to find a fix for a problem and bypass God. And God says, stop bypassing me. If you really want to see the hand of God, if you want to see God move in your life, you know, you've got to say to the mountain, You've got to say to the mountain, uh, you know, the, the Bible says that God is the author of another possibility. I mean, it's just like, you know, we get, we get tunnel vision and we just think, you know, this is the only way. We put God in a box, we put ourselves in a, in a box, and we just say that there is no way out of this sickness, there is no way out of this financial situation, there's no way out of my job, there's no way out of this problems with my kids. You know, it's just an impossible situation. But that's what God says in that passage of Scripture, that God is the God of the impossible. He says, you know, that... You know, it was an impossible situation when Moses showed up uh, in Egypt. I mean, you had the entire nation that had surrounded the children of Israel. But God shows up through Moses, and God does something different. What the children of Israel couldn't see, they were willing to keep breaking, you know, making bricks and gathering you know, mortar and straw. It was just like, we're content to live this lifestyle. Moses, why have you even showed up here? But God's saying, I've got something better for you. I've got a better life for you. When God shows up, then we see the better life. Same thing happened. The, the nation of Israel was surrounded by the Philistines, and a young boy by the name of David shows up. And everybody is shaking in their boots. They're terrified because of the giant. And, and David says, you know what? When God shows up, God can do something different. You don't have to settle for this. You don't have to live like this anymore. And David showed the nation of Israel, a little boy showed the entire nation what God can do through one person. God wants to do that same thing in you and your life. You know, when Mary, the mother of our, our Savior Jesus, you know, it was an impossible situation. I mean, there was no way that she was going to be, become pregnant without being with a man. It's an impossible situation. But God shows up in the form of the Holy Spirit, and she conceived. Yes, it was an impossible situation. We look at Jesus on the cross, even or on the cross, even his own disciples, you know, looking at Jesus, this dead body. I saw him dead. That's what Thomas said. He was dead, dead, dead. I saw him nailed to the cross. I saw them take him off the cross. I saw his lifeless body placed in a tomb. But God, but God. Can you say, but God? But God. But God, but God will show up, and God showed up, you know, in an empty tomb and brought Jesus to life, and therefore, all of us have life because God gave him life in that situation. Uh, it's amazing, it's amazing. You know, years ago, I entered this season in my life, you know, where uh, God was just like, I mean, I was just like, I, don't, I didn't ask for it, I, you know, I didn't you know, understand what was happening, but God just kept giving me song, just song after song after song. Oli probably got so tired of me calling her. It's like, Oli, I got something else. I got something else. It's like I get these verses and I get the music, but I just didn't know how to, you know, put it on paper. And she helped me do that. 
but I, I remember I'd be driving down the interstate and just all of a sudden I'd be flooded with, you know, with music and verses and, you know, lyrics and I'd have to pull over. I even bought a, I bought a recorder, you know, because I couldn't remember the words fast enough. And I, you know, I bought a, a yellow legal tablet and I'd start writing these things down. But, you know, the Lord uh, give, had given me actually a song about a mountain and I, I wrote the verses down. I'm going to share them with you this morning. And uh, this is about the mountain of God. And it says, this is what the Lord spoke to me. And I think it was just a place where I was in my life. It was just like, man, I wanted to be on the mountain of God. We talked about how uh, Elijah wanted to go back to where Moses got the law, to the mountain of God. But as I began to write these verses, and then the music kind of came with it, but it's take me to the mountain where I can see. I want to see the glory of God. I don't know if any of you ever feel like that. It's just like, you know, what I have is not enough. It's just I want, I want to get closer. You guys remember when, you know, Moses would go into the, the tabernacle and then he would come out of the tabernacle? But the Bible says that there was a young man by the name of Joshua that would never leave. He laid at the door of the tabernacle where the glory of God was, where that glory cloud was. And so as I began to think about this, I, I began to write and I began to sing, take me to the mountain where I can see, I want to see the glory of God. Take me to the mountain where I can be free, I'll be free in the glory of God. Come on and take me to the mountain. Take me to the mountain of God. Come on and take me to the mountain. Take me to the mountain of God. See, you want to be there? I mean, I want to be there. I want to be right there. I want to be. Take me to the mountain. Come on, take me to the mountain. See, but there's all kind of mountains that we face. We face mountains of debt and misunderstanding and confusion and sickness and pain and poverty and loneliness and shame. And faith, only faith, only faith can move those mountains. And so I want to just think, I want you to think about this for a moment. What's your, what's your reaction? What's your, your initial reaction, you know, when somebody says that, man, you can say to this mountain, you know, I mean, it's just like we just kind of withdraw. Really? Can I say to it? You know, and then doubt begins to come in, you know, and it's like Nina was saying earlier, you know, well, you know, that's really for these great people of the Bible. That's for, you know, Elisha and Elijah. That's for King David or young David meeting the, you know, meeting the giant. That's for Samson. That, you know, that's for other people. It's not for me. This is, this is written about other people. It's not about me. But the Bible says that these things were written for you. So that you can go back and build your faith when you realize, as she quoted that scripture from James, that Elijah was a man just like you and I. And he has, you know, passions just like you and I. And he was tempted the same way that you and I are tempted. But, but God raised him up. He, he had a little faith. He had faith, the, you know, the size of a mustard seed or maybe a little bit larger. And God used him in an incredible way. So we see on these two separate occasions where... Jesus is talking about mountains in Matthew chapter 17 and in uh, Mark 11. And, you know, he talks about, you know, this, this just incredible, you know, ability that God has given us, that God is a miracle working God. 
And he wants to work in the supernatural if we will just let him. If we will stop settling for what we can fix or what we can throw money at or how we can impress people. I mean, you can have, you know, God is not interested in the best lights or the best sound system or even the best music. All of those things are good. But God's saying, how about a little dose of the Holy Spirit? How about a little dose? How about a little power of God? You know, you try to impress me with what you got. Let me impress you with what I got, okay? And God said, I want to show you some of the power of God. So I want to, let me just run through four quick points here. That when Jesus was talking about, you know, these, uh, number one, he was talking about the, the disciples. The disciples couldn't do it. You know, they asked the question, why couldn't we do it? Why weren't we able to do it? Um, you know, and I, I, I think the answer lies in what they said. Why weren't we able to do it? The reason that they weren't able to do it is they didn't have the power within them to do it. If we are lying on our own strength to do the supernatural, we will continually fail. But Jesus said that in John chapter 15, verse 5, that without me, and see, I believe that's what they were trying to do. Without me, you can do nothing. You can do absolutely nothing. And in, in uh, Mark chapter 16, it says, the first thing it says, that, that these signs will accompany those that believe in my name. In my name, you shall cast out. In my name, do you get that? Not we weren't able to do it. Yes, we will never be able to do it. But in his name, in his name, you will be able to do it. In his name, you will be able to cast out demons. First thing that Mark says, these signs shall follow those that believe in his name. And so he's talking about Matthew chapter 11, moving mountains, the mountain of this demonic power. And then he's talking about uh, in, um, Mark chapter, in Mark chapter uh, 11, he's talking about a different kind of move of God. And he's kind of rebuking the, the scribes and the Pharisees for failing to recognize and accept the gospel and the kingdom message when it came. And he's talking about these two different perspectives, this, these spiritual perspectives. And he uses these physical illustrations to communicate a spiritual truth. And I love it. I love what he says. And, you know, going back to Mark's gospel, before Jesus lays down this thing about moving the mountains and talking about that whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you have them and, or believe that you receive them and you will have them. You know, you've got to believe there's got to be an element of faith in there. And so, and then he goes on to say that if you have anything against your brother, the two are connected. But prior to that, but Jesus set this whole thing up with going up to the temple and cleansing the temple once again in Mark chapter 11. Now, all of that precedes, you know, casting the mountain to the sea. Jesus goes into the temple and he found those that defiled the temple and he drove them out. He drove the money changers out and he says that my father's house will be called, quoting from Jeremiah, my father's house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers and thieves by what they were doing inside the temple. He had, they had defiled the temple. We talked about this last week. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that your body is the temple of the living God and that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so if there are things that come into our lives that defile us like sin... 
Remember Isaiah 59, 2 that says, our sins have separated us from God. Our sins have separated us from the good things of God. God's saying, I want to move in your life. I, I want to show you my power. I want to demonstrate my power in your life. But, you know, you can't, you're not going to be able to throw money at this problem. You're not going to be able to fix it with man's wisdom or, or, or you know, with, with organized church uh, wisdom. You're going to be able to fix this thing with the power of God. Oh, take me to the mountain where I can see. I want to see the glory of God. I'm tired of looking at what man can do. I'm ready to see what God can do. I, I know you feel the same way. And, and so we got to give it up. we got to just say, you know what, God? My way is not working. And I, I'm just going to lay my way down, and I'm just going to accept your way, Father. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. You know, we, the Bible says that we fix our eyes on what's unseen because what is seen is temporary, but what is, what is unseen is eternal. You know, I mean, it's so hard for us because we live in this tangible, it's like we can touch everything. But, you know, there are things that we can't touch. I mean, we live in this world. I mean, when we, it's just like we don't even think about it. It's just like, you know, uh, the Bible says, or the, not the Bible says, but uh, scientists say that, um, that the earth travels in its own axis, you know, just spinning around 1,000 miles an hour. Brian, you know, probably could teach this better than I could. Uh, we, we're moving around the sun at 67,000. The earth is moving around the sun, turning on our axis 1,000 miles an hour, moving around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and moving through the galaxy, the universe, at 481,000 miles an hour. I don't know whose radar gun they use, but, uh, I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, that's pretty fast. When I think about, and this is what, you know, kind of boggles me, is it remember when you were a kid and you played on the merry-go-round and somebody would start spinning it and faster and faster and faster and you're holding on and then your feet are just like hanging over the edge? I mean, you're probably not even going 20 miles an hour on that thing. But, I mean, the force of it is throwing you off. I mean, pretty soon, you know, you hold on as long as you can and pretty soon strength gives out to gravity and psh, there you go. You're going flying. I mean, going 1,000 miles an hour, the earth on its axis, you know, uh, 67 miles an hour around the sun, and 481 miles an hour, you know, through the universe. What keeps us in place? God. All right. So the second thing I want us to look at is, is the um, second, the spoken perspective. You know, just looking at what Jesus said from four different points of view. The spoken perspective. And God speaks. I want you to just think about this. You know, the, you know these words are not putting, put in the, in the Bible so that we can have good reading material at night before we go to bed. This is something that we need to live by. We need to get those words off of the pages and into our hearts and start living by these words. And we need to understand that it's just not fun material to read. Yes, it is fun and it's good, but God wrote it more for, the, uh, for more than just our entertainment. So, you know, he talks about if we have... Uh, the, the faith uh, the size of a mustard seed. And he talks about, you know, I want you to think about this. God didn't just think the world into existence. And God didn't just pray the world into existence. God spoke the world, the world into existence. And he uses so many examples. I mean, if we believe in our heart. And listen to what he said. He said to Moses or to, uh, to Joshua, do not let this book depart from your, you know, you would almost think in your heart, you know, write these things on your heart. But he said, don't let the, this book depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night that you may be careful to do everything that's in it. 
You remember what kept Moses from going into the promised land? That God told Moses, he said, go speak to the rock. But Moses failed to speak to the rock, and he smote the rock. He hit the rock twice. But God said to him to speak to the rock, say to the rock, speak to this rock, and let the water gush out. And he failed to do that. And God just gives us an incredible lesson about the failure of Moses to speak when he was told to speak. And God is saying, say to the mountain, say to the mountain, say to this mountain. Um, we see it. there's a number of other examples. Jesus spoke directly to the demons when he was calling them. Jesus spoke directly to Lazarus when he went to the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth. You might remember King David when he said he was going out to the to meet the giant, and the giant came out to him, and David said with confidence, you're coming against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel's army whom you have defiled. He said, this very day, listen to what he's saying, this very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and this day I will give the corpses of the Philistine army to the birds of the sky and the wild animals of the land, and then all the land, listen, God's going to do this, and he says why he's going to do it. Then God says that all of the land will realize that Israel has a God. And then notice what Elijah says when he's trying to bring, you know, this woman that's broke. Her sons are about uh, ready to be sold into slavery because of the debt that she owes. And Elisha goes to her and says to her, go, he's speaking the word to her, go and ask your neighbors for empty containers, get as many as you can, go and close the doors behind you and you and your sons, and pour the olive oil into the containers and set each one aside when you have filled it. She filled them all up, there was still oil left, and she said, Elisha told her to sell what she had, you know, pay her bills and live off the rest. Remember this great story that Jesus notes in the New Testament about the centurion, the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say in a word, just say in a word, and my servant would be healed. Don't think in a word. Don't say a quiet prayer about it. Speak it. Speak it out. Speak this word out. The Bible says about even about our salvation that if you confess with your mouth, that's speaking with your mouth, uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Speaking it out. So I'm going to ask you today, what is preventing you? What fear is preventing you from, you know, accepting this task that Jesus has set before us? You know, is it, you know, failure of, 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 of fear of failure? Or is it a nagging, reoccurring sin that you prayed about and thought about over and over in your life and it still keeps coming back and you just have given up? Is it financial struggles that you face today that you're just afraid to just like bring it to the Lord one more time? You know, uh, you know what is it? What's... What's, what's keeping you from telling the mountain? You know, the Bible says that we need to speak to the mountain. I'm telling you this morning, you need to speak to the issues in, the, in your life. You need to speak to the problems in your life. I believe that as you begin to speak the Word of God, speak the power of God, you know, to speak that, you know, about your health, about, you know, sickness being in your body. And you know, the Bible says that, Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. Uh, the Lord who forgives all of your iniquity and heals all of your diseases. This is the Word of God. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 25, it says, Worship the Lord your God, and His blessing will be 
on your food and your water, and He will take away sickness from you. You hear that? He says, worship. That's not just words that we read. Yes, it's a good message. It's a good word to read. But He said, you get down on your face. Get down on your face, God. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you, God. You say, if I need sickness to depart, worship the Lord your God. His blessing will be upon your food and your water. God, your word says that you will take sickness away from me. Man, I am going to, I'm going to stand on the Word of God. I'm going to quote that Word of God. I want you to quote that Word of God. I want, I want these mountains broken in your life. I want, the, I want you to see the power of God. I want you to see the supernatural. The third point is this sustained perspective. Remember, we said that there were 4,000 people that tried to climb Everest. You know, why didn't they finish? Why didn't they make it? Come on, somebody, tell me. You know. They quit. They quit. 4,000 people. 600 made it. That means 3,300 and some quit. They quit. And God's saying, don't quit. Don't quit. Blessed is the man that remains steadfast under trial, is what James says. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Fear not, the Lord says, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. That's Isaiah chapter 41. Don't be afraid. Don't give up. Don't quit. And finally, the last point is, search the Scripture. I want to, I want to show you two Scriptures. And I want you guys to, I want you to look at this. You know these Scriptures. Listen. I want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to see, I want to see if you can get the connection. I'm going to read them both. I want to see if you get the connection. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I want to read again from Mark 11. I say to you that whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I want you to look at it on the screen. Let's go back to John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Look at it. Look at it on the screen. Take a good long look at it. Let's look at the next one. Mark 11, if I say to you that whosoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You see a correlation between those two? There's one word. There's one connecting word between the two. Can you see it? Can you see it? You see it there? Whosoever believes in him, whosoever believes in him will not perish but whosoever says to the mountain, so you believe God for salvation. You believe God for salvation. But I'm trying to get you to move from salvation to supernatural. Whoever. See, God's not distinguishing. If you are able to believe in faith for salvation, then you are able to believe in the word of God that tells you and instructs you that whosoever says to this mountain, whoever says to the mountain, is that you? Is that you this morning? 
That, what God is saying that is you can say to the mountain in your life, be gone. You can be, say to the sickness in your life, be gone. You can say to the debt in your life, be gone. You can say to the wayward children in your life, Satan, I break your power in Jesus' name. I am going to stand here. I'm going to fight. I'm going to climb this mountain. I am not giving up. I am not letting go. I'm not going to be part of the 3,600 that quit. I'm fighting for them. I am standing in the gap. I will be an intercessor for them. God's saying, I'm looking. I'm looking, you know, back and forth throughout the whole earth. I'm looking for somebody that would stand in the gap and cry out to me like an intercessor. Will you do that this morning? Will you stand in the gap and be that intercessor this morning? Stand with me, church, because I want us to give a shout to God. I mean, we serve a mighty God. Let's just lift up our hands and worship the Lord. Oh, God, you are a great God. Shout to God. Shout to God with a voice of praise and shout to God with a voice of victory. He will not be defeated. And with him, all things are possible. God, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you this morning. And God, we are gonna, just not going to walk away and talk about the word this morning. We're going to walk away and say, I want to be one of those. I don't want to just be a spectator. I want to be one of David's mighty men. I want to be one of those fighters. I want to be one of those whose names is written in the book of remembrance. Those that have done great things. That's what God expects of you. He has placed you in, on this earth. He's anointed you so that you will be remembered for doing great things. God expects great things from you, not because you're able, because His Spirit is in you, enabling you to do great things. Amen. We serve a mighty God. Oh, He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. Well, may the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you. May the Lord grant you His peace. But I'm praying that God would give you the supernatural, that God would give you a fresh anointing of His Holy Spirit, that God would break the walls down that separate you from the goodness that God has for you. He satisfies you with good things. But the enemy is ready to set up a roadblock, to put up a wall to keep you from being satisfied with the good things that God wants to give you. Father, today, let those walls come down in Jesus' name. We bless you and praise you, Father. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. I love you all.